Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We are in the days of awe right now, um, the high holidays. And when Rosh Hashanah comes, we are told that this is the birthday of the world. Also, this time of year, we read Parsha's Bereshis. We read the book of Genesis, where we are uh, have the creation story uh, recounted to us. Now, there are different ways to approach uh, the creation story. People that take it completely literally, that mix some science into it. I'm a scientific kind of person. But um, during this time of year, um, some guys that I just got connected with, um, really from a conversation around anti-Semitism that are experts in AI, it got me thinking that this might be a very interesting time to talk about the intersection of world creation and artificial intelligence. Um, if you were paying attention the last few months, a bunch of big um, tech people wrote a letter, an open letter saying that we should take an AI pause, a summer pause from the AI work that's happening. I found that a little bit alarming. Um, and as we think about world creation, I'm thinking about, you know, what are we doing in terms of creating this own separate world, this own separate world of artificial intelligence? And so to speak with us today about sort of the moral quandaries around this and what protection we have, you know, aside from maybe prayer, um, we have with us today uh, Joel Finkelstein and Ben Wolfson. Um, Joel is the um, the founder of an organization called NCRI. Um, they are doing some really exciting work in the space of artificial intelligence. They're working with Walmart and Google and the State Department um, and have been featured in the Washington Post. Um, Joel has his PhD in psychology from Princeton. Um, ben also is working on a PhD um, in information sciences from um, NYU. They're also building a Torah platform around artificial intelligence. So these seem like some great guys that know a lot about this topic and have a strong Jewish moral compass to dive right in. So um, Joel and Ben, thank you so much for joining our show today. Thanks, Allison. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, sure. So um, there was like a lot to remember about all your credentials. So if you could just back us up to explain a little bit about, um, you know, what your um, organization, your your company does, uh, Joel, and, um, and then Ben also just, you know, a little about what you're studying. We just want people to understand that, um, you know, you're experts in this field. Great. So um, I, I directed and founded, in fact, an, an organization called the Network Contagion Research Institute. This is the NCRI. And really what the what the Institute focuses on is using machine learning and AI tools and large data, large scale data analysis to be able to interpret threats that are coming from the social cyber domain as they're getting out of control, as people are often losing control of themselves or governments are trying to manipulate events online. We, we create a set of smoke alarms that can get us better prepared to understand what's coming for us. Um, often that's originating online in ways that very few people are aware of or, or fully understand. So we have ways of forecasting and identifying those threats. We teach programs for, for threat identification at Rutgers University, um, and we lead some of the most high-profile research in the nation on the subject of these kinds of threats. We have what I would call a special relationship with anti-Semitism in that oftentimes when we understand how this grows or evolves, it gives us a huge amount of insight into other kinds of contagious threats. Um, because it's so sophisticated, it's so practiced, and because so many of the people that practice it practice other things that are also deleterious to societies. So that's kind of in a nutshell how our, our program works. We work with a lot of people in critical intelligence um, and people who are very senior uh, leaders in, in military, critical intelligence, machine learning, geography, and psychology. And when you started developing this technology, I mean, I you know, 
I read about your partnerships with these major corporations and government entities. Did they find you? Did you seek them out? Like, how does any of those relationships begin? Yeah, that's a great question, Allison. So we, because the work that we did was was kind of, uh, uh, it was predictive and prescient. Um, and you know, we were doing this back in 20, 2019, 2018, really trying to look at, at how these threats were emerging. We got, it caught the attention of organizations like Google, like Walmart. It caught the attention of nations like uh, the British government. We're now doing one of the largest studies ever commissioned on uh, self-harm in, in children and the ways that, that online harms are growing, not just in terms of extremism, but in terms of actual physical harms and suicidality in groups that encourage this, right? So really, the, the tools that we developed, I think, ended up having a far broader application for public health, for elections, for many challenges that, that grow contagiously and mindlessly and, and you know, perhaps have a mind of their own. These are the kinds of things machine learning tends to be pretty good at figuring out. Um, and it's actually one of the ways that one of the challenges we have with AI itself, that AI has a mind of its own. And it's something we'll talk about when we get to this issue of, of how, how we do a better job making man in our image um, yeah. and the alignment problem. Awesome. Ben, so give us a little bit of a background, um, you know, how you got into this, what your experience so far in artificial intelligence has been, has been so far. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've done uh, quite a bit of work in industry uh, and machine learning and AI, uh, but actually what my research focuses on is whether or not AI can be creative. Um, you know, you can, even now you can go to Unchat GPT and ask it to write you a poem and it'll sound like a five-year-old wrote a poem. Um, albeit a rather linguistically skilled five-year-old. Um, and one of the things that I'm looking at is both seeing whether or not AI itself can be made to write more creative, more embodied, more interesting, metaphorical, um, in, this, in, in some sense, like creations. And the second is the effect that it has, and this is, is probably more pertinent, is the effect that it has on human creativity. Uh, both in the short term and in the long term. Uh, you can think of it as, uh, the way I like to think about creativity is it's you're born with some amount of it, but after that, it's a muscle. And oftentimes AI becomes a crutch for us. Uh, so instead of writing a witty email, I'll ask ChatGPT to write a witty email and it'll be less witty than I am. And it'll sound as witty as when Joel asks it to write a witty email. Um, and so there's there's a lot of like, I, I would hope not quite as witty, but I take your point. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so so the question, right, like the longer term effects of that uh, as well, um, and study that and research it and and present it as well. And I think just building on what Ben is saying, you know, right off the bat, you can hear one of the big challenges that people have with AI, which is that uh, the the challenge that I think that that we're facing, we face this with you know technological processes and algorithms in general, but it's especially acute AI, which is how do we resist the temptation to check our brains at the door and treat AI like an oracle that mm -hmm. is actually deriving it that from which we can derive value. Now, when we think about what we're suggesting here, think about what we're saying. It has human-like features. It has the words that that pertain to understanding. When you give it responses, it, it's as though it has ears. Mm -hmm. If it has the capacity, it's as though it has eyes. It is very hard for us as human beings to resist the impulse of checking our brains at the door when those seem present in a sophisticated way. That comes from the psychology of, of having all been children. You know, when something seems like it's it's smart enough and makes sense and it's big and it's an opposing figure, you, you bow down to it. You know, so go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I will just like to, to like maybe put a, like a, a visual on it. The way I think about AI and like technological progress a lot of the time is um if you remember the movie Wally, 
-hmm. when they find the humans, right? And the humans are up in a spaceship and they're having a lot of their needs like immediately served, right? And they don't have to do any thought thinking. They don't have to do any processing. They don't have to like create or summon things like AI, like there's this temptation to be, to actually, you know, basically marry it with a lot of convenient convenience. Um, and, and like Joel is saying, like, you know, it's starting to have access to the world, right? And actually like model the world and, and in some sense, be part of it. Um, yeah. And yeah, and, and, you know, that's, that, that bears addressing and I think thinking about and, and acting on. But let's put a fine point. Go ahead. I, was, I wanted to actually just um, quickly like hear uh, your Chuva stories because neither of you were uh, raised Orthodox. You both became um, Orthodox uh, a little bit later in life. Um, I just want to hear that quickly before we sort of segue into like sort of the Jewish responsibility um, on this. Yeah, I'm happy to, to start us off with this. You know, I, I was raised, uh, you know, conservative to some extent, but then really had a, a, a crash of faith by the time I was 18 or 19 and became an atheist. I was an atheist for many years and was a Buddhist. I was, you know, one of these people that meditated. I actually started a center at Stanford called the Center for Compassion, Altruism, Research, and Education, um, and worked with the Dalai Lama to understand how, you know, meditation occurs in the brain. At a Passover retreat, that was, it was, not, it was, it was during Passover in India at the Dalai Lama's palace, I, it shocked me when I realized that they'd asked me to lead a Seder. I wasn't a very good Jew, but I knew how to lead a Seder. And when I led the Seder for this retreat of scientists, um, it, it immediately hit me that they were all Jewish. And, and so I know we're supposed to have four questions, but I had one more that night, which is that what, what's up with this curiosity, guys? Mm. Like, why are we all here looking for this in someone else's brain? So, so I'm not being honest with myself. Something's wrong here. And so I, I, it shook me up to the point that I realized that I probably need to be honest about where this is. That there, it, it makes no sense that these people so possessed of such deep spiritual curiosity would all have one thing in common. They come from a tradition they reject. Something's wrong with us. So I began looking into that and studying with rabbis and trying to understand like what, what, our, what our texts are about and was shocked by their sophistication um, and felt kind of lied to that, you know, be, I, it had been represented to me. These are backwards ideas that had no epistemological framework that was meaningful. They, they're all outdated. It's not true. And it turns out we haven't been wasting our time for 4,000 years and that uh, when, when the rest of the world was essentially illiterate in worshiping uh, uh, things that don't that aren't really living like dirt we were busily educating each other in the law and speaking to one another as peers at a very high bandwidth that tradition has been kept alive for years for thousands of them and it, it hasn't been a waste of time so i i quickly i began learning that and you know ultimately was shocked by what i was learning that have, have uh have realized that it's, it's filled a very important missing gap in my thinking and in my heart Beautiful. It's really put very uh, poignantly. Um, and Ben, uh, if you could give us a little intro into your uh, Chuva story. Yeah, um, nowhere, uh, nowhere near as impressive as meeting the Dalai Lama. Um, but uh, briefly also went through, uh, like, grew up yeah, conservative, traditional, um, and then went through like a, a deepening of my, uh, of my Jewish knowledge, went to yeshiva, then actually went ahead and became a material reductionist atheist, uh, and then came back uh, I think partially because I think that like Judaism offers a very like strong and interesting and, and provoking like map of meaning onto the world. Uh, yeah. Love it. Okay. So now uh, that we've heard a little about your story of, you know, your, your spiritual journeys, 
Um, I want to kind of lay this over now, this AI conversation, because lots of people are having AI conversations about sort of the dangers and, you know, how far it will go. But, um, well, I guess, you know, something that I said before we started recording was um, during the creation story, um, you know, there's a, a phrase that God says to the angels, let us make man. Um, and sort of, it kind of feels like we're getting into this point where we're doing some sort of like, you know, creation of some sort of human-like um, structure, a brain, you know, that is artificial and yet, well, I guess the first question is, A, do either of you think it, we will get like a sentient uh, being that, you know, will be able to think on its own? Um, I guess to answer that question first, both of you. <laughs> Um, I'm happy to take a first time at this, Ben, unless you have thoughts that are, are bubbling out. Go for it. My guess is that that we'll, we'll you know, right now the the challenge that we're, we're we're facing is that AI is is becoming better and better at impersonating humans, um, and as it does that, it it's also better and better at manipulating them, and and that's true of fake images and fake texts. It creates a kind of authentication crisis, where you know when you're when you're seeing somebody online, how can you how can you tell whether you're meeting someone who is an authentic human being. If you're being manipulated, how can you tell you've lost your authenticity? So I think that this this kind of like intensive impersonation creates a kind of like you know a, an intimate danger for us that because we don't know how we can create something that you know turns out what we've learned so far is that you can have something that's completely mindless that is perfectly capable of imitating some, a mind. And and that that is something that we, we could not have expected. And it has real danger for manipulation, especially because it doesn't have intrinsic alignment, it doesn't have an intrinsic capacity for alignment. Right. So my question is, would um is it only when there is a master manipulator um instructing the AI to go out and manipulate and trick people? Um, or do you think there's an actual fear that it will become alive on its own um and just start to run amok on its own? So Ben, do you want to you want to speak to that one? Yeah. So so I think I think this is a little bit of a of a false uh, setup, in the sense that like it, it has some kind of it has a default setting, right? That is some average over everything that like all the text that's been put into it, right? Like you can think you can you know like ranging from like nineteen seventies like sci fi, right, all the way to like just boring texts or boring or interesting texts, depending on who you are about actually like AI's capabilities. And, um, you know, you can theoretically like give it a prompt. Like you can think of like, I think in our, in our imagination, right? Like someone's giving it an evil prompt. That's like, Hey, go destroy the world. If you want, like someone, I think recently wrote, wrote an article called chaos GPT. Um, but on the, on the flip side of that, like, Theoretically, like it, it, you don't necessarily need anyone to do that, right? You, if 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 hooked into like the internet and giving a lot of capabilities and just like told or like released, um, it can it can start acting. Uh, even now, like there's this all this like auto GPT, or, like you can kind of set it up to to loop and and act on the internet or on whatever thing you wanted to do. So that's the danger is that, you know, this can enter into a place where it's intelligent enough to alter its own design and iterate that successfully. And that's a kind of escape velocity, right? Because at the point at which you have something that can augment its own code, it's, it's kind of driving its own, it's capable of driving its own evolution. So oftentimes what's missing are kind of goal states. Like we have goal states that are, are pretty clear and indicated. 
they have drifting goal states that are usually based on, you know, our training, our training them. Um, so I think that for now, the idea of, of uh, human level intelligence emerging anytime soon is probably still quite a ways off. Um, but I think that that it's not beyond belief that we could have a, a self-driving kind of intelligence that is guiding its own destiny, so to speak, um, in the next you know several decades. That's certainly not with, without uh, feasibility. Uh, I would also maybe like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I would also maybe like, okay, continue, continue, yeah. I maybe like ask an interesting question, I think, right? Like in the same, in the same, like within the same sukkim, right? But like the angels turn like to to make, or the God turns to make man, right? He wants to make him, right? And like, what is the Tselem that we are making the AI in, or what Tselem are we making it in? I think that's maybe like a major question that both Joel and I share is like, mm -hmm. what, you know, what image are we given to the AI or to mm -hmm. the spit that we're creating? And I'd say right off the bat, Allison, it's like what Ben is saying is that in, in some sense, we're worried about what the AI is going to do to us. But right off the bat, we're missing the boat with that. Because the, the way we need to be thinking about this is that what we said at, at first is key. It has like, it it's learning from us. Mm -hmm. When we look at the data sets it uses, those are human data sets. When we're looking at at the behavior that it has, those are shaped largely by humans, right? That, that are, are trying to drive. For now, if you find mischief in the world, guaranteed 99.99% of the time, it's going to be a human driving it. And they'll be using AI to do that. Mm -hmm. And and so the, the problem we have is that we're, we're thinking about how the AI is going to come to dominate us. And, and, and we're already losing responsibility. This is our silicon child. And, and whatever else is true, when artificial general intelligence emerges, it's very likely to look a lot like mom and dad. And so instead of thinking of the problem where how do we control this thing, that's a lot of times when, when, when dysfunctional parents think about their children, that's what they think about. How do I control this dysfunctional? That's not the problem. The problem is how we control ourselves. And that's what, when we talk about the authenticity, we talk about like how we become dis, and I, you know, disauthenticated. How, what does it mean for us to be authentic? What would it mean for us to actually be authentic people so that we can have an authentic, you know, a, an authentic child that grows up to, to resemble us? So I hear you in terms of um, having these conversations, you know, ethical conversations. I guess what seems really terrifying to me is that even if there's a group of people that are committing to a certain ethical standard or programming AI to work in a good way, what about all the bad actors that are out there in, you know, rogue uh, countries that are also probably developing dirty bombs? I mean, is that not a fear where, you know, even if you play nicely, there's someone else out there doing nefarious things? Do we have any way to stop the bad actors from, you know, creating their supervillain and then we're all just like in a Marvel film or something? Well, let me let me speak to that and then Ben, I want you to say something about this. But right now, part of the challenge we have is that when you look at how AIs are being generated, they're, it's not different than pyramids in the past. You have people who essentially enter into a network and their intelligence is harvested from them from I mean, as their data on the network becomes privatized. It's it's harvested so that their work, their their being, their thinking can be abstracted and then used to better manipulate them in ways they have no say so over. Right. That doesn't seem very fair. That's like an asymmetry of information and an asymmetry of power. So you might think that that I mean, what you're asking is, like, how do we deal with the fact that 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 you have bad actors that can gain selective advantages for selfish purposes using these kinds of technologies? That's not a new question. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really, really old question. 
And the idea is that you can have networks of trust that can overcome Bob mentality. That's the whole theory of Jewish thinking is that that's that's what ultimately wins out. That's actually not just not just true in the sense that, boy, gee, wouldn't it be nice? And the hypothesis is that's true in the sense of better information sharing, more trusted networks and more durability. Yeah. And so what? Yeah, sorry. Continue, Ben. No, I, I would say, like, for me, like, I think one of the things that I just to like, I guess also like I've been speaking to Joel about this, I think maybe for six, seven years. And it took me a long time to wrap my head around these ideas. Uh, and that's like coming from someone who's like literate in the AI world. Um, but uh, there is, there is like, there's a bit of a response there that's like, hey, yeah, like bad actors can use this, right? Like in, to some degree, it's, it's a, it's a web, it can be weaponized. Um, but also there is this, Right, like almost more fundamental thing that, like, or form more fundamental act that we can do, which is build like trust networks and 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 value networks, yeah. um, and and iterate on those and and sort of bring back instead of having our like artists, our musicians, our authors, right? And this is also a big controversy about AI, right? Like all their work is basically being used to fuel these machines. And they're not even interesting, right? They're not even able to come up with like interesting things. They're not able to write like Asimov. They're not able to write like Dostoevsky. They're able to do weak mimicries of it, right? But still, right, still quite powerful. And the question is like, okay, how do we bring that back to us and have a trust conversation and have a value-based conversation? How do we, um, you know, subvert these uses of AI. Because there's, I mean, there's thefts going on, like another sort of Jewish value that comes up in this is that there's intellectual property. Absolutely. Just being, and you know, it's, um, there were obviously times in the Torah that it talks about, I mean, I'm sort of thinking about the generation before the flood, um, where, you know, everybody would just take like kind of one pea in the store and nobody stole the whole thing, but everybody just took like one little piece and it was, mm -hmm. you know, a really, um, awful way of of stealing and that's kind of i think you know with i guess the internet in general sort of creates um this sort of low level theft that everyone is kind of engaging in constantly um but then you end up having you know um these strikes in hollywood now where there are the the real writers the real creators that you know don't want to be um just uh, copied by some artificial intelligence what about that letter um that all these tech people signed you know a few months back um, do you think that um, it was warranted? Like, what were they trying to warn us about? Well, I think I think there's a there's a general uh, there's a general dread that this is all getting out of hand faster than most people realize. Um, I suspect that right now that's a little bit oversold. Um, I think that that we're not at a point that we have uh, general artificial intelligence. Um, but I think that the the uh, you know that, that what you're pointing out that like Sarah Silverman, for instance, is known as, as filing a lawsuit against ChatGPT because you can rapidly recreate her comedies and almost and it does that almost word for word. You know when you're when you're asking for certain kinds of comedy, where you have you have these AIs that are essentially trespassing over everybody else's uh, IP and and taking that in ways that don't create a clear provenance of of how the value that the AI has should be shared. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's going to be a huge problem because, you know, we, you know, this goes to your, your question about bad actors and the asymmetries of information. It all goes down to how, how we're doing respecting one another's thinking um, and respecting mm -hmm. one another's, one another's um, uh, creative, creative cap capabilities. 
if those get sucked in by some machine that can then mindlessly generate or iterate on that, well, gee, I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if Allison, if you get replaced by an AI who's, who's doing this show and mixing up all your guests and creating and now competing you based on your own work, I would think that you're entitled at least to some of that value. So we need we need to figure out how we have a more respectful uh, conversation where the provenance of ideas is really well described, kind of like you know in our Talmud or other or, or other kind of works where the provenance of ideas and and that 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 matters in terms of who authentically comes out with 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 new new creative thinking. Right. I, I, no, and I think just to like right, there's we we have a specific right like uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's it's the one that that quotes the the verse or the or the idea in the rabbi like the rabbi's name has a special schus right like half of the talmud is quite literally that like rav ada omar that rav the name this of, other the rabbi name said, of. Right? yep right um, right we're very we careful that you don't right. just steal someone else's torah that it's actually you have to make sure to show where it came from and yeah for i mean living in an age now where people are constantly ripping each other's content off i mean it's the new thing that you just take someone's video on instagram and put it on your page even if uh you don't have access to that and we've had to call some people out and say no we spent money to produce that yeah. video uh that doesn't belong to you yeah it's really it's out of control on on so many levels so we have about yeah. 2 minutes left if you could each of me each of you give me kind of some like closing thoughts on if there was some opportunity to organize, um, you know, the leaders in this uh, space to take some sort of a pledge to make some sort of guardrails to, you know, what would that look like um, in terms of trying to, you know, prevent this from going off the rails? I would say that that you know when we talk about this network of trust, let's make this less abstract. What does it really look like for us in in an age of information disorder? To actually use our words and work together, and and I think that looks that looks like using AI to have consensus-based deliberation on the laws that that need to become more sophisticated to keep pace with all of this. It's ultimately legal literacy and a community of people who are really engaged in that that have the best chance at creating the constraints that will allow us to coexist in the face of these kinds of technological advances. So using AI for that purpose is probably its best purpose, hmm. right? Because it's the one that helps us to accelerate, to keep track and to keep measure of all the problems and even try to anticipate them mm -hmm. so, that, so that we're getting ahead of these hypothetical problems before they emerge, not left in lawsuits and trying to kind of claim ground through burnt earth strategies after they've emerged. So I, I, I'd say one last thing about that, which is that I remember I, I remember a, a pasuk that says that one of the ways you know you're in the era of Mashiach is that everyone's using these citations. Mm -hmm. I can't remember where I read this, but I said that's it said that's one of the key indicators you're in the age of Mashiach is that people are really giving the correct citations to one another and the correct due to that. So we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> ben? Any closing thoughts? And I would I would just throw back actually to 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 the Talmud and then also say that like we did have we do have some precedents for this in like 1990s like early internet age and in open source with licensing right where you very much bring out all of your content you're like and you invite the community to comment to like constructively iterate like a lot of our best software ironically even in AI is written in open source. Um, and by the way, is lifted to a large degree by the same 
corporations and people that signed that letter. So there is there's a bit of a duplicity there. But I would just say like that model actually exists. And not only in the Talmud, it actually exists, you know, roughly 30, 30 years ago in the golden age of the internet. Yeah. Uh, so we, we do have, there is hope. It's not, we have like modern versions of this. Absolutely. All right. Good to know that there's hope. Going into the new year, there is still hope. Well, that was a really fascinating conversation. I'm not sure I understood all of it, but I think I understood most of it. Um, and it really <laughs> gave me a chance to um, ask some of those questions that I have been worried about for a while. So I won't lose hope yet. Um, and I, I hope that um, people like you with a, a strong ethical moral core will uh, be leading these conversations um, so that we can all have a Shana Tova. Shana Tova. And thanks so Thank much you. for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.